you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Back when I was about 16 years old, because of my living situation, at least twice a month I would have to make a two-hour drive from a city area back to my parents' house in a rural area. I'd say that about maybe one and a half hours of that drive was just country road with nothing but valley, corn or some other crop on either side with the occasional farmhouse or something that you think that people might go in and out of willingly along the way. Because of how used to this drive I'd already been beforehand, I didn't think much of driving that long stretch of no cell service, no phone booth area. I mean, nothing had happened yet, so surely nothing would ever happen, right? Well, in the middle of one of these drives back, while the night was slowly taking over, as I was driving, I saw a flash of light. Huh, that was weird, I thought. Maybe just a momentary, anemic moment, who knows. But then, another flash... Well, maybe someone coming this way has their high beams wonky or something? Another flash, though. Alright, something's definitely wrong. I slow down a bit so as not to get blinded periodically and swerve off the road, then try to figure out what was up ahead. Further in the distance, I think that I see a person. Actually, multiple people. My eyesight's well and good at this point in my life, so I was putting two and two together, getting close enough to realize that There were actually four people on this country road lined up across as if it was to make a a roadblock to prevent any cars from passing through. Another note too is that I don't see any other car around them that they could have come in or anything. I don't remember any farmhouses or sheds nearby either. But the rest of this encounter felt like it took place in the span of an hour because of my anxiety but it was likely no more than five minutes in hindsight. 
So I'm driving maybe 10 miles per hour now as I'm getting closer and realizing that I'm definitely without a doubt approaching a line of four grown people with huge bright white masks on staring in my direction. Two of them definitely have bats or some other distinctly long blunt objects and one person is holding something that the flashes are coming from. Maybe a laser or something? I'm not sure. What I do know though is that I've seen enough horror movies and heard enough stories about crime on roads like this to think that in that moment I have only two options. Slow down and hope that they eventually part way around my car running the risk that they could very well get the jump on me in my dinky car. Or pick up the pace and disregard whether or not they'll have the chance to move out of the way when I potentially accelerate through them. In the end I decided the latter. I had no means to protect myself with other than a bat in the trunk of my own car and at that time I was a young teen who passed as a girl who could easily get knocked down with a solid slap because of my build and my car was terrible, bad enough in fact to where if I stopped I wouldn't doubt someone could break in with easy force. Now, hearing gravel and dirt kick up from under my tires, I was more freaked out of the potential that I could drive myself off the road, along with taking out some strangers, who I am now dead certain are carrying bats as I accelerate towards them. I'm proper freaking out, but I've accepted that this was the decision that I'd made. I accelerated more and thankfully, the two that were directly in my way lunged out of the way just in time to not get hit. When I get past them, I stop accelerating to catch my breath and to see them in my rearview mirror, the other two for some reason trying to haul butt towards my car as if they could catch up. And it became so real in that moment that there were people who were intentionally trying to get the jump on me in the middle of nowhere, and probably not just kids trying to get kicks and giggles out of freaking someone out, but real adults trying to harm someone that came that way. In any case, I just focused on driving out of there as fast as I could. I focused on going forward, didn't turn the radio back on to distract me, and felt shook by the experience in general. But the most messed up part, honestly, was getting home and realizing that part of what I was driving on wasn't gravel. It was actually nails that were now embedded into my tires. Praise whatever God may be out there for me somehow having those sturdy tires that got me home because, honestly, they looked terrible. I didn't tell my parents the full story about what happened in the end and they just assumed that I was being reckless and someone was playing a prank with just scattering some nails about randomly on the road. I did tell the story to some of my friends and they told me that I probably wasn't in any serious situation and they were just trying to get a scare out of me, especially since being in a car was a pretty big advantage in this situation which I was in and I can't deny that. But still, it creeped me out a lot and... These days, I remember it every single time that I drive down a road that looks any type similar. My friend, a 25-year-old female from college, told me a harrowing story once that happened to her and her friends in high school. She's from Buffalo, New York, and often went on camping trips to local upstate campgrounds. When she was a senior, her and four of her friends went to a campsite fitted with rows of cabins on the water that people could rent. As the sun went down, the girls noticed that their neighbors, a few cabins down, a group of guys similar in age, were playing music and grooving around the campfire, drinking beers and whatnot, and one of the guys asked them all if they wanted to join in. 
When they got over there and started hanging with the guys, everything seemed completely normal and they were having a fun time. And as the night progressed, one of the guys there started to get sort of blackout drunk and eventually pulled out a revolver that he said belonged to his dad. He started waving it around and playing with it. This obviously freaked everyone out, his own friends included. Eventually, he started pointing the gun to his head and laughing, and while his friends were yelling at him to put it away and how that wasn't funny, he kept doing it. The girls at this point were fairly disturbed, and they told the guys that they should get back to their cabin, and they said their goodbyes. When they got back to their cabin, they all talked about how freaky that was and expressed concern for that drunk guy. They then moved on to other topics of conversation, and they forgot about it for the time being. But a few hours later, sometime in the middle of the night, they heard a loud bang coming from the direction of their neighbor's cabin. Shortly after this, a brigade of cop cars showed up to the scene. One officer came to my friend's cabin and started asking them questions about the cabin that they visited earlier that night. When my friend asked the officer what happened, he explained that the kid had actually shot himself in front of his friends. They weren't able to discern if it was suicide or if it was accidental. My friend to this day still has PTSD over this incident and explained that she rarely goes camping anymore. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When two of my friends and I were juniors at Sunny Purchase College back in 2018, we decided to sneak into Playland Park in Rye, New York. One of the friends of mine grew up in Rye and had done it many times before. So while I was nervous about getting arrested for trespassing, I felt a bit reassured that the park wasn't very, well, well monitored at night, I guess you could say. And at around 1am we drove and parked our car next to a large fence and attempted to scale it. It was rather difficult and required us to step onto each other's hands to get over, which gave me an intense anxiety about how we were planning to get all three of us back over the fence on the way out. After both of my friends got over the fence though, I attempted to chicken out and wait in the car but finally decided to join and 
After several minutes of struggling, I made it over the fence on my own and we began walking while lighting up a joint. It was pitch black at this point and almost all the lights were off too. We approached the water flume ride which went up about uh, maybe 100 to 150 feet and then dropped into a steep slope. Along the side of the ride was a staircase for technicians and employees which my friends decided to climb for a better view. At this point though I chickened out and I decided to stay at the bottom out of fear of heights. As they ascended the stairs I looked out across the park and that was when I noticed something very strange. We weren't actually alone at the park because several hundred feet from us was a pond with what appeared to be like a small boat or a raft inside of it and four or so people riding inside of it with flashlights attached to their heads. What was even stranger though was the fact that there were two dark figures swimming in the pond looking for something underneath the water. I could barely make out the silhouettes of these figures but after a few minutes I noticed that they could see us and they seemed to be mobilizing the boat in our direction. I frantically started whisper screaming to my friends who were all the way at the top of the water right now and could barely hear me. At this point, the boat had reached land and the little lights on their helmets were heading in our direction quickly. My friends finally raced down the stairs and we began sprinting as fast as we could down a boardwalk that was dimly lit and back towards the way that we came. As we sprinted down the long, straight boardwalk, I realized that we were completely visible and started to accept the reality of being caught and arrested. But... We somehow rounded a corner, got back to the fence and climbed over safely, hopping into our car and dipping immediately. I couldn't believe and still can't believe that we didn't get caught that night, as the figures that were chasing after us were no more than like a few hundred feet away when they spotted us. Still to this day too, I, I'm really not sure why the heck those people were swimming around a pond in an amusement park at like 1.30 in the morning. But one day, my friend had told me that apparently kids had drowned in that pond before, making me wonder if they were searching for a body or something. I googled any article that I could find, but to no avail. Me and my two friends are still totally puzzled by this experience and can't really think of a very logical explanation. But the fact that my friend said that there are rumors that kids are drowning in this pond? I don't know. Just thinking about it gives me chills. My housemates and I are all 21 to 22 year old females and we recently moved into a house near our college campus. We don't have keys and instead use a code that we use on the doors but we have three pretty calm pets as well. So it all started with uh, weird individual experiences random small things going missing either from public spaces or somewhere private but things that were easy to just sort of look over I guess. Also I should probably mention too that we're all very close and honest with each other. The things missing couldn't have been stolen and the house is not big so there's only so many places the items could have been. And then there's been occurrences where we would leave with all the blinds open, come back and they were all closed blankets that were left out but are randomly folded. Things like this. It's been getting spookier recently too because one of my roommates was home alone and heard a thud. She looked around. All the pets were in the living room with her. She then hears footsteps and calls out to us with no answer. 
and so she grabs the pets and loads them into her car because she's hysterical and convinced that somebody else was in the home with her. But to top it off, the other day, I was trying on some clothes and kept getting a, a hint of, I don't know, like something foul. After much investigation, I realized that it's the very shorts that I'm wearing. Confused, I sort of rummaged through my drawer and out of my three rows of shorts, the row in the middle smells and is stained with urine. I was obviously really disgusted by this and I took them off quickly. But when I tell you that we've pondered every possible explanation from our pets to even ourselves, I mean it. But the smell wasn't that of a cat or a dog. There were no rat droppings and I immediately registered that it was definitely human pee. After doing all of my laundry, I also noticed two identical pairs of my underwear are missing. They were nowhere to be found at all. And I mean, we searched high and low. And there's no way that a pet could get into it or take it or hide it or anything. But I don't know, I, I just feel like I'm going crazy. If somebody else can please give us any, I don't know, like logical explanations. Because maybe, just maybe, yours is the one that our brains will believe enough to help me sleep at night at this point. But if not, well, what should we do? The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So last night at around 8.30, I went out to the edge of the woods on my property to set up a blind to shoot some nuisance coyotes that had been eating my chickens. I live in New Hampshire, at an area where people who live near these woods commonly refer to phenomena known as bad nights. It's just an eerie feeling where you don't want to be anywhere near a door or a window when it gets dark, and you certainly don't want to be outside. Animal life seems to be affected as well since it's always eerily quiet on those nights. Thankfully though, it was a good night, so I thought that I was going to be fine. I set up with a long-ranged modified handgun, a mounted night vision scope with a thermal setting, and a high-end night vision handheld. Both pieces of equipment have a high four-figure price range. I set up facing the woods and for most of the night I saw nothing, coyote or otherwise. But a little before 10.30, I was scanning the field just before the tree line with my thermal scope when I saw like a, a red orb pop up. It was about four feet off the ground, not moving. The thermal was giving a reading of 90 degrees, which made no sense considering that it was around 40 that night. Also, the scope is very high definition. I can see small birds at 50 yards away and they show up perfectly bird-shaped. So there's really no reason that anything should look like round like this. It also had a strange low quality staticky look to it, which AIs made no sense considering it was well within my 50 yard marker at the tree line. But when I went to switch to night vision mode, it disappeared. After that, I never saw anything else like it for the rest of the night. But later on, around 11, my handheld night vision scope started malfunctioning. 
The brightness or exposure was sort of fluctuating wildly for no reason and it was randomly turning on and off. I just chalked it up to the battery being dead or dying and stopped using it. But this afternoon when I started to get my equipment ready again, it was working perfectly normal. It's the same temperature again today as well, 40 degrees, so it's not temperature related. But the final weird thing was that at around midnight, right as I was packing up to head inside, after having no luck with my coyote problem as my gun jammed and the animals ran off, I also could have swore that I heard a voice laughing. It sounded echoey and due to being on a hill and there not being a lot of trees, I really couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from. I thought that it was my neighbor who lives on the other side of the field. I should probably note that the house was not in the direction that I was firing towards, just so no one comes for me about gun safety and all that, but the house was 200 feet behind me and to the left. So this morning, my neighbor was talking with me about how my hunt went, and I joked with her that she should know considering that she laughed after I missed my shot, but she was really confused. And I said I heard laughing and assumed it was from her house. And she said that nobody in the house was outside or even awake at that time of night. So, I don't know about any of this, but what do you guys think? Forest ghosts messing with my equipment and laughing at me or just equipment malfunctions? I'm going out again tonight and I'll try to record if anything like that happens again. But lastly, just for the purpose of giving more context... I don't believe that the gear of this sort of caliber would malfunction like this as it did and just be fine the next day. It's really good equipment and there's just no reason for it to behave like that. This happened when I was a freshman in high school on Halloween night. My friends and I weren't quite at the point in high school where we would have any sort of Halloween party to go to, and we were too cool to go trick-or-treating, of course. We were a tight-knit group of girls, though, and we grew up together since we were like babies, and we lived in a rural town outside of city limits. To set the scene, this is a very remote woodsy area. One of the friends, her name is T, her parents raised chickens and had about 50 acres filled with chicken houses, which we would explore on her four-wheeler after school often. The build-up to this night was filled with adrenaline and methodical planning. In our small town, one of the more thrill-seeking activities to do was what we call rolling yards. If you're not from a southern or rural area, this is basically throwing rolls of toilet paper up into trees so that streams of toilet paper hang down. Like, if you wanted to do a classic prank, rolling yards. Had a crush on a guy from class, rolling yards. Girl drama revenge, you get the point. It's hard to explain the kind of adrenaline that you would get sneaking down a rural two-lane road in the pitch black, turning down a long gravel driveway, threatening the group's lives if they make a sound. And if you get caught, your parents find out, and maybe worse, you're stuck cleaning up the mess for the next day or two. So, my friends and I had decided the two weeks prior to this night that we were going to go on a Halloween rampage, and specifically, we were going to roll the creepy house right down the rural road of my friend, where T lived on. This house had been a big scary story between my friends and I for years, but we would go on afternoon walks after school and pass by it often. No one ever came in or out of the house, but T's parents told us that a man lived there that was a bit of a creep. She gave us a strict warning to stay away from that area. And looking back, 
T's mum worked in law enforcement, and she probably had many more reasons for us to stay away than she told us at the time, of course. Anyway, the night would go as such. T's older sister, B, who was 17 at the time, would drive us to the local Walmart, after T's mum and dad went to bed, that is. B was the kind of cool older sister who was in our sort of shenanigans and thought that it was fun to chaperone us when we were doing crazy things. All five of us loaded up in the backseat of B's car, piling onto each other's laps, blaring our favorite 2000s hip-hop songs and flying down the two-lane curvy road. Which is a scary thought in and of itself at this point in my life, but thank god nothing happened. We park in the near-empty parking lot of the store at around 11.30 and made our way towards the toilet paper aisle, hyped up on pure adrenaline. We filled two shopping carts completely full of 99-cent rolls of toilet paper, snickering to ourselves as the clerk eyed us suspiciously while checking us out. We ran, giddy, back to B's car, popped the trunk, and threw the loads of paper into the trunk. On the way back towards T's town, out of city limits, we turned down the music to discuss the play-by-play -play of the attack. B would park down a dirt road that led to some cow pastures about a mile from the man's, we'll call him Mr. S's driveway, to wait on us. The five of us would split up into teams, walking along the edge of the woods by the road quietly, in the event that a car would pass, so that we could drop to the ground and hide if we needed to. We filled our arms full of rolls of toilet paper and we headed toward the long gravel driveway of Mr. S's place. The adrenaline practically was beating out of my eardrums at this point. The crickets in the background screeching in synchronicity. We make it about 10 yards from the entrance of the driveway and we unload the toilet paper that we had carried. Then we quietly made our way towards B's trunk to get the next load of toilet paper. Once all the paper was piled into our checkpoint location at the edge of the woods by the entrance, we each grabbed four rolls and went into the woods along each side of the gravel driveway to creep towards the house. We were all whispering to each other to shut up and be quiet, but we finally see the faint light coming from the side of the house by Mr. S's garage and it was the most terrified that I'd ever been. Not only was the house 1000% creepier in this moment than when we walked past it during the day, but the thought of getting caught by the man that we were specifically told to stay away from was nauseating. T, the bravest and most rambunctious of the bunch, decides to make a beeline towards the garage while walking through the edge of the woods, and we watched her in pure shock. She stood near the woods, peeking out, and motioned for us to make our move, confirming that no lights in the house were on and Mr. S was 99% likely asleep inside. I stood, frozen, scared that I would pee my pants if I moved, but was ushered along by another girl who pointed to a tall oak tree at the very front of Mr. S's house, which was the worst location imaginable. I decided my teammates were worth it though, and I ripped open a pack of toilet paper and hurled it up towards the sky towards the highest branch on the tree, watching the stream of white paper fly down and catch the wind. Soon, streams of white were falling out of every tree surrounding the house and we were getting very cocky and even more fearless the longer that we attacked. All of a sudden though, my friend T stopped dead in her tracks and made a loud hush noise. I stopped, hiding behind a tree, my heart literally in my throat, as I now saw what looked like lights turning on from inside the house out of the corner of my eye. T then whisper yelled, run, and we dropped our remaining rolls of toilet paper and began running in the pitch black dark into the woods. Another girl in the group tripped and fell on a branch behind me and I turned to help her up when I heard it. 
several gunshots rang loudly from near the house, and Mr. S was yelling maniacally into the woods, You think you're funny? Not so funny when I find you. But we kept running, all crying and wheezing from the adrenaline and the speed in the night, towards the entrance of the driveway, and when we were about to reach the entrance, we heard something even worse than gunshots. The sound of a diesel truck engine coming down the gravel driveway slowly. We quickly went as deep into the woods as we could go without notifying him we were hiding and stood silently with our hands over our mouths as not to make a noise. Mr. S stopped his truck about 30 yards away and turned off his engine. It was now totally silent. I could see him from where I stood and he had a, a shotgun over his shoulder as he walked towards the opposite side of the driveway, clearly looking and listening intently. In that moment, I truly thought that we were going to be found and killed. No one except for B knew where we were, and our parents were all asleep. She was a mile down the road, oblivious in her car to what was going on. I was trying desperately not to cry and sniffle in silence when I saw Mr. Esher's shadow raising his shotgun into the air and firing around. I began to feel faint, truly thinking that I was about to pass out from fear when I see car lights just up the road from the driveway. Panicking, I wondered if the lights would illuminate us in the woods and give us away, but the car seemed to slow down and I realized that it was B. B rolled down her window and was talking loudly from her open car window, giving what I assumed were the police the address of Mr. S's house. This made him angry and he yelled and ran towards her car for a moment then backed away, cursing loudly and waving his gun into the air. As soon as Mr. S began driving his truck back down the driveway towards his house, we sprinted full speed towards B's car and got in. We were crying hysterically, unable to speak, sweat pouring down each of us, and no one said a word. We just cried all the way back to T's house, showered, and I could hear sniffles and crying all throughout the night into the morning. In the end, too... No one said a word about it to T or B's parents. No one even spoke about it amongst each other for years, in fact. We never went rolling again, to say the least, but what had begun as a childish prank turned out to be one of the most horrifying experiences of my teenage years. And because we lived in the middle of nowhere and we had technically been vandalizing someone's yard, B told us about a week later that she had faked the call with 911. It's still shocking to think about, and... All I can say is that we got lucky that night. Some angel somewhere was watching out for us. Looking back, B should have actually called 911, that's for sure. We were naive kids who were more afraid of getting in trouble than realizing how at risk we were of being hurt or maybe even killed. And like I said, in the end, I think we just got lucky. When I was a kid, my family moved into this old house, and some odd but harmless stuff happened there, like hearing footsteps on the hardwood floors and things like this. We always passed it off, but after we were there longer, something similar to our brother's story happened. What I mean is that when I was 13 and it had been the last day of school, I was having a sleepover one night. It was me, my oldest best friend, and three friends from my school, and when it was bedtime, my best friend, her name was Fran, and one of the three friends, her name was Sarah, slept upstairs in my bedroom, and me and the other two slept in the bedroom downstairs. The next morning, Fran and Sarah were wide-eyed as they asked me if I was alright, 
And I told them a bit confused that I was fine and asked why they were asking that. And they told me that before they could fall asleep, they suddenly heard my parents yelling at me and me crying. They said it was really loud and clear and they were sure that they heard me specifically crying on the stairs. But I assured them that that never happened. I told them that me and the other girls had gone to sleep without incident. Fran and Sarah though, they swore up and down that they were not joking. Then, later that summer, Fran was sleeping over, as she frequently did. We were pretty much inseparable as kids and we were part of each other's families for the most part. Anyway, we had decided to sleep in the downstairs bedroom. We were lying in bed and talking about whatever when we heard the front door open. We hear my brother Danny and my cousin Jake talking as they closed the door. It was odd though because they were both living in another state at this time. But we figured, hey, they must be in town and come to visit. We hear them come in talking about raising the kitchen as they loudly went up the stairs. And to be honest, we didn't really think much of it and we just went to sleep. The next morning we expect to see one or both of them but in the end we don't. There's no car in the driveway, no suitcases, nothing. So we ask my mum where they are and she has no idea what we're talking about. Apparently they hadn't come and they were in fact in another state. And well the last one that happened was I was lying in bed one night alone and I kept hearing my dad on the phone late at night. I heard the sound of him dialing and I hear his voice but it's sort of muffled. It went on for a really long time and so I crept downstairs and peeked into my parents room and they were fast asleep the whole time from what I could tell. Phone wasn't even in the room. It was a landline and it was in the 90s. I still have no idea how to explain any of this and this is something that I keep with myself. Something that I don't think I'll ever forget. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.